Hey friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Crisis Podcast. This week is an exciting episode because it's the first time we have a guest return to the show. You may remember Ryan from season one. He was the guy that wrote for HuffPost, was head of content at Deakin University, and had done a digital project with the United Nations. In that chat, we spoke about the fact that no matter how together we look from the outside, nobody really knows what they're doing. If you haven't listened to that episode, I recommend going back and giving it a listen. You can really see Ryan's career journey and I think it's super powerful to see how other people progress. Ryan's progression is something that I really admire. On the outset, you would think that his prior role defined his success. But as you'll hear in this episode, where he is now and where he is heading have never felt more right or been more fulfilling. We talk openly about job loss, making career decisions on what stage of life you're at and knowing it's okay to change your mindset. Let's jump straight into episode 25 of the podcast, Owning Your Skill Set not your job title. The Millennial, the Millennial Me. This is The Millennial Crisis by Demi Kotsouris, Wi-Fi not included. Well, welcome, Ryan. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, rejoining me on The Millennial Crisis podcast. I had you on last season and I'm excited to have you on yet again in season two. How are you going? Surely, surely I'm a fan favorite by now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Surely I've made the most appearances. There must be a trophy or some shit for me to win. Um, but no, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of yours. You know, I love the work that you're doing. And so always a pleasure. Always a pleasure to be here. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure you're going to be on when season three starts again. We'll have to bring you back because the people will be cheering. They'll be like, where's Ryan? Where's Ryan? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but no, I also noticed, this is interesting that just popped into my head. Completely yeah. nothing to do with what we're about to talk about. But like, you notice we're both wearing the wired things. They're like the best for this kind of stuff. Every time I connect to my AirPods on my wireless stuff, the audio is terrible. So there's still a place for these cable headphones. The best. So. Yeah, they are the best. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, same. I don't, I don't do the AirPod thing because I'm always paranoid as well that they're going to drop out while I'm mid-interview or something and I won't know. So it's a strange fear to have. Right? It that is. is a really <laughs> it is, but like it's true. The worst is losing audio, at least for me. That's yeah. my biggest fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These are these are reliable as always. And that's it. So last time we spoke, we spoke about everyone not really knowing what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And and we had this mm-hmm. amazing chat and so many people could relate to it. And you were working uh, at Deacon. Yep. And now, what are we like? Nearly a year later, I'd say. Yeah. I guess the first question I have is, where are you at now? What's happened since we last we last spoke? What's what's happened? So I was the head of content at Deacon last time we spoke, almost yeah. a year ago now, and now I'm running my own kind of like content studio called Chinkimiyama. The story behind that is I was actually meant to move to a startup, which will remain nameless because I don't want to get into trouble. Because of COVID, they had to pull the job offer, but I had already resigned at Beacon. So it left me in a bit of a pickle, but these things happen. The pandemic is not anyone's fault. And so when I finished up at Beacon, I just was like, look, this, this is what I've been doing. 
for the entirety of my career, which has been writing, storytelling, content, and just decided, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start like a freelance kind of studio thing, see how it goes. And since then, I've been working on really cool projects with brands that I really care about. So like people that like their value and vision and purpose really line up with, with, with my own and that makes the work easy, right? And so it's been, it's been going super well and obviously a massive change from the last time we spoke. It's crazy. I mean, I've been following along and we've been catching up throughout, but I know it's been a real up and down journey and, and although everyone's kind of over talking about Corona, right. And, and mm. with us, but I think it, we are navigating different times now. So I think it's important to touch. And I, what I really want to chat to you about is the idea of starting from scratch from, sure. from being in this kind of safe environment. And then mm. for a lot of us to either be faced with a lot less work, no work at all, or really questioning the work that we're doing because 100%. for a lot of people I've spoken to working from home has been really eye opening for them and realizing that maybe the work they're doing doesn't align with where they want to go anymore. So yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. on April 27th, you posted uh, an IGTV and a video on LinkedIn talking about job loss and mm. your uncertain future. Do you want to mm. kind of summarize what you spoke about there a little bit yeah so i lost my job i knew i lost my job a month before that video so i i had four weeks left at deacon um, and and in that point i was still you know the head of content i had a team i was very focused on making sure that in that four weeks i did the best i could for them so that when i'm when i left they were still in a good position that they could continue doing the work that they were doing and in that video i think i talked about that that experience briefly you know losing a job because of the coronavirus and not having any sense of control what was going on in the moment but then adapting and going cool there are two options in my head and the first one was kind of wallow and be and feel sorry for myself beat myself up about you know why would you take a risk and go to a startup you know that was in the travel space you know and and all that kind of stuff and go you're an idiot you you lost a job or you're making six figures it was you know the perfect job in the mind of any other person or I could go well what else do I have to offer you know if I'm not defined by this this element of full-time work a nine-to-five gig what what value can I provide to to the rest of the world I'm not even thinking about in a professional space or, or a you know a business space just as a human being what can I do and like you you know we've known each other since we're in school but you knew that like for for the longest time I did free work like I wrote for like Huffington Post Rucksack broadsheet you know like I just loved writing and I went cool I'm going to default back to that that mentality of let me just produce content create content and and see where that takes me and so that's what that video was it was not even for people it wasn't to say hey I'm open for business it wasn't anything more than for me to be able to close the chapter on what had happened because I felt one I didn't have time to go through all the stages of grief you know, when, when you experience any loss, right. And went straight to acceptance because like timing wise, you still need to make money. You still need to find a way to, to sustain a, a minimum level of finances for life. But also I just didn't think that it would be healthy for me to just wallow around, play video games, do all that kind of thing. And that probably in hindsight is also not the healthiest approach because you still need to emotionally, physically experience that loss and I think I've done that now like retrospectively 
but but yeah that video i've told a lot of people was not i wasn't looking for clients or looking for business or attention it was my way of closing the chapter on what had happened it was it was purely for me selfishly just for me to just say the things i needed to say and go that was fucking shit but i'm moving on now and yeah haven't looked back since yeah and the reason that i speak about the videos because i think talking about job loss whether it's your choice or wasn't your choice or whatever i think is really difficult and almost a taboo topic to talk about because it's kind of associated like we associate it with failure or we associate it with negative things when mm. it it shouldn't be you know it, it can yeah. be something that's amazing and breathing a new life right and i think mm -hmm. it was really admirable for you to go out and say literally so many things that 80% of Australia and the world were feeling at that time, which is whether we lost a little bit of work or a lot of work or felt like we lost everything, we were experiencing all of the things you were talking about. And that, yeah, I just really wanted to touch on that. And if you haven't watched it, go watch, go watch it. On, it, um, it, it was, um, it was a, it, like it went, I wouldn't say it went viral, viral, but like it got a lot of attention. And I think what was good about it was that I saw in the comments, people resonated with it, which was a secondary effect of, of why I did it. Because I know that a ton of people would have lost work. I wasn't the only one going through it. And it would have been selfish if I meant the video just about me losing my job. And that's why I wanted to talk about this idea of, hey, it happens, right? And as long as you have the most important things around you, like your family, your friends, and you know, a good support network and all that kind of thing, that you're one of the lucky ones. A lot of people are in a lot of worse off positions and it was, it was good to, to get a reminder of, hey, I still had good things and all of you have good things, whether you, know, you have work or not, you just, have to, you just have to look hard enough. And I think that is, a healthy, that is a healthy approach because then you have something to build off. Because if you felt if you just lost everything, fuck, that's a very tough place to come back from, you know? But yeah. if you go, cool, I work, but I have family, you got your really healthy relationships with friends. And then you can start looking within and go, and I also have these skills that I can use and put to use. Whether or not it makes you money, that's besides the point. I think in that moment, money is not the issue. It's purpose. People need a direction. People need um, you know, something to put their mind to, to work towards. And I knew straight on that it had to be purpose for me. If I just went looking for cash, I would have just gone back to Coles or you know, like go and, and find ways to make money but I knew that that wasn't going to solve the the mental kind of break that happened when I lost work it was where can I meaningfully direct my energy so that I can see some kind of you know progress and change I'm glad the video was received the way it was and I'm glad that people also responded well to it because I think you know we needed that and yeah with all that negative stuff going on I thought to flip the script a little bit so I took it upon myself. So sorry if it didn't hit right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I, all the other stuff that you were saying about how you hoped it wasn't taken like that. I don't think, I think if people took it that way, they were seeing, they were in a different headspace. You know what I mean? I, I think it was mm. super important and really admirable that you did that. Thank you. Thank you. You spoke about, I guess, grieving job loss, which mm. we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago and it really stuck with me. Cause I was like, that's something that, I guess we, we don't think to do a lot of the time. We think, okay, like you said, you're thinking about 
fuck, how am I going to stay afloat? You know, how am I going to keep my head above water? But it is so important, especially in times like this, we've all experienced some kind of loss, whether it's Mm. a holiday you were going to in the future that you really needed and deserved, or Mm. it was something as big as your job or something. I think it is really Mm. important that we can accept the thing that we've lost and and grieve it. So Hmm. what was that process for you? Or how did you come to that conclusion? It's, it's one of those things where in the moment, I knew it had to happen. I knew that it was going to be something I had to do later on, because I was looking for that purpose. I think about loss in the most extreme circumstances, when you lose a loved one, right? Your immediate thing is cool. What do I have to do in the aftermath? of that you know you have to organize all these different things and then after that's done you get the time to process and you remember the good times the bad times whatever it is and that's the most extreme circumstance of loss and i'm sure everyone's gone through that and in terms of this job loss i knew that it would it wouldn't be of that intensity but i knew that it had to have that similar process of cool get your shit in order and then and then go through that emotion of like you know, it was fucking terrible. You know, I, I, you know, I, every stage of the interview for that new job, I said, Hey, is this COVID thing going to affect it? Is this COVID thing going to affect it? And they said, nah, you're cool. You're cool. You're cool. And I went, great. I'm going to take your word for it. I got to go through all those emotions of frustration, of anger, of all that. Like, what the heck? I did everything I could in my power to make sure it was the right move. And they let me down. In all honesty, that's how I felt. And being able to then navigate that and go, cool. It's time to move on from that now, because what am I going to do if I keep thinking about it? It's just going to make me mad, but doesn't really change the situation. And then you keep going through the process of a cool, like that's happened. You know, what else are you going to do now? How can you contribute? You know, and then you get to the point of acceptance when you went, it's a thing that happened. Is it just a thing that happened? And, and making sure that perspective was the key. You know, you talk about the video. I think when I made that video, I had four weeks to gain that perspective, which was, hey, I don't have coronavirus, which is fucking amazing, right? You know, I still have people that care about me. I have savings. Like, you know, I've been very, I've been very conscious of, of, you know, my own finances and stuff like that. Like then being able to go, cool. Those are all the things that are still going right. Mm. And on the scale of like other people that don't have things going right for them, that haven't done those things, that haven't had the opportunity to do those things. I'm already miles. I should already be miles better, better off. Mm. And I shouldn't take that for granted. And just because I lost a job doesn't mean that every aspect of my life is terrible. And it's a process and it's a process. And, you know, a few people reached out because they were in similar situations that either lost their work or they were meant to move. And then the contract got pulled and they said that it really helped them understand the road ahead. Cause I was, if you think about it, I was like four weeks ahead of some other people when that video come out, they said it was nice to see that at the end of the road, there was going to be some clarity. And that's all I was looking for throughout that process, which was understanding that it's really not your fault when something like this happens. How could I have done anything to, to predict the pandemic? And then also, what could I do to fix it? It's nothing. You know, if you're talking about the grand macro scale of what was going on, there was nothing I could do. And that was so important for me to understand because when I went, oh, it's really out of my control you just shrug your shoulders and go, cool. Sometimes, sometimes the world just does what the world does and you have to roll with the punches. That's what makes, you know, someone adaptable. That's what makes you 
unique to to your situation so i think that that grieving process was important i did it backwards because like i said before i just was like cool i don't want to fall into that spiral so let me get my shit in order and then process it all yeah and i don't think there's any right way to do it like oh. after you had kind of said that it, it kind of sparked in me i was like i the first few months of me having to come back home and all that stuff i was go 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 straight away i was just like what can i do i need to get all this stuff in order i need to fill the time that was spent traveling and then after first two months i had a month where i just wouldn't do anything and couldn't do anything and i think it was because i had ignored the fact that okay my 2020 isn't looking the way i had imagined it which was going to be like another best year of my life kind of thing with all of these huge changes and adaptations and and then when you come to terms with that and you say, okay, it's okay to think that it's shit. <laughs> it's mm. okay to be upset at something, even though it, you, it might not seem like a huge thing. Cause like we said, we have our health, we have all of these other things that we're so lucky to be in certain positions, but it is important for us to accept that it is a loss regardless. I, I really liked um, the way you would put that. And I think when you understand that like the only thing in your control is your actions, it's the most liberating thing, right? Because then it's like, well, I'm just going to do the best that I can. And sometimes that'll be enough. And sometimes it just won't be. Sometimes other people mess it up. Sometimes they make it better. And sometimes, the, you know, a virus spreads around the world and sometimes it doesn't. And the only thing that you have is going cool. Every day when I wake up, what am I going to do? What's within my control? And for some people, it's as simply as, hey, you got out of bed. That's better than yesterday when you decided I just couldn't because it was all too much. And, I don't, and that's what I wanted people to understand. It's like your own process, your own, you know, however you want to, to, to grieve, however you want to, you know, build up that next stage of after you lost your job. I wanted people to know that there is no right or wrong. There is no map blueprint that says, hey, you lost your job. Here are three quick steps so you can get better. <laughs> It's not that. It's not that. And I feel very like blessed that it worked out the way it worked out for me. And I'm sure other people feel the same. And I'm sure other people are still working out how to work it out. And, you know, it's not an easy time. And I, and I am really empathetic to that. And yeah, so I, it was important for me not to say, hey, this is what you have to do to get better. It's, it will get better in your way, in your own time. For sure. And, and you're spot on with that. Now you've gone from what people would consider a secure, amazing, incredible role where you would have so much control over, over things is I guess the assumption that a lot of people make. And mm. now you're, you're starting over, you're on your own, you're trying to navigate what working for yourself looks like. How mm. has that process been? How has that crossover been for you? For me, super good i enjoy what i'm doing now far more than what i was doing before yeah it, it's it's one of the strange things when you look back and you go cool like maybe this was how it's meant to play out you know people go things happen for a reason all that kind of stuff when i was working in deacon i had a team of really passionate switched on creatives that i love like i love that team i'm still in touch with them today like you know i dropped them messages to check in and, and see how they're doing i loved being their manager leader whatever you want to call it in that sense because it was a different way of thinking for me i came from a world where i was just like freelancing and stuff like that and then taking all my knowledge and going here this is what i've learned out 
in in the industry and you guys take that knowledge apply it develop it in your own way and it felt like i i went from a creative to a creative that was creating a space for other creatives and that's what i loved about that job the tough part about that job is even though it on in on paper and in theory sounded like you know you had control creative control over content you could have done all that kind of stuff you still have people that you had to to sell the idea to right like you still have people you reported up to and they would have their own ideas of what was good and what wasn't and you know ideas that had stood the test of time but what 2020 has shown is that time doesn't really stand still and if you're not adapting to what is happening around you you will lose in the long run and the things that we were trying to do as a team was push ourselves to match what was happening in the now even before like covid and whatever you know we were trying to think of like how do we tell interesting stories how do we take those stories physically into activations events we didn't have a digital we didn't have a really strong digital presence we wanted to invest in that you know i let my team work from wherever they wanted because i knew that productivity is tied into an individual's happiness we talk about having the professional world and personal world separate we know that's not the case we know that when people have terrible circumstances in personal life it affects their professional life vice versa you know so we adapted that and said and i said to them as long as we're together once a week you guys can work from wherever because understanding as well that not everyone wants to work from home and not everyone wants to work in the office and and we saw that growth from like you want to take an example of we did like four so articles a month when everyone was allowed to work from wherever they wanted we went to 12 i mean those numbers are like they speak for themselves mm-hmm. i don't really have to say more than that and so it was all these kind of like for what some people perceive as like you know young new age ideas of like hey you guys just want to stay at home and do and you you know, I think whatever you want but my numbers and the team's numbers spoke volumes and i really didn't have to do that much persuading but on the same level you had to do a lot of persuading cuz for some people it's so starkly different to what stood the test of time it's so starkly different to what they know like hey i need to see you at your desk for 8 hours i'm sorry to break it to you but like some people don't need 8 hours to do the work that you're expecting of them now if you're not willing to accept that then you come into a bit of conflict you know and it's things that you've covered about millennial workers which is like why do we get told to stay in our lane all the time you know you know like i was the youngest in meetings i was the youngest head of content i don't think there's ever been a younger head of content at deacon unless you know you guys want to at me and tell me who you are <laughs> and please feel free because like i'm going to take that title and then i'll go into meetings and people are like well what have you achieved in your 25 26 years for us to listen to you which is fair which is fair on paper like yeah. you've been in the business 40 years that like, you would know more and i will listen to you on things that you know but the reality of the situation is me you my team like digital you know like creative storytelling that's what we've done mm. that's what we've done and we've done more time than you have and and it was an easy transition for me once i decided i'm going to do my own content studio because it was like well no one's going to i don't have to the only person that have to answer to is the client but at that point the client's hired you or engaged you or brought you on board because they go we want you to lead that aspect of the project you are the and expert a, and people accept that yeah and that's the and the dialogue rather than just the order do you know what i mean before yeah. i was like no you can't do it or yes you can't do it here it's like cool what's possible and then let's make it possible yeah and that was such an easy switch 
like I am so much happier. I just can't, I can't describe it to people. Sure, some days I work long hours, some days I work less hours, but I'd rather do this than, than go back to a desk where I have to then convince people of the value of creative or the value of digital or the value of storytelling. Like that shit was exhausting. The last three months was me literally just like pleading, just like, hey, like this is why there's value here. And they're like, well, no. It's been the best switch. And if I have any say in it, I'm not switching back. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love that because yeah, I I had recently <clears throat> written something about about that the other day about how the larger companies we go into and the larger spaces we are, you were expected to stick in our lanes. And I always say when I teach my classes, you know, six I say sixty percent, but it's usually more. It's like thirty percent is spent speaking to your audience, seventy percent is convincing others on how you're going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think that's something that we all forget. And especially being young in the workplace, it can have its its other um hurdles as well so i think a lot of people that are listening are really going to relate to that areas i'm sure you you still get that with clients at times but like you said you are the expert now and you value mm. your credibility and you, and you have to value and push and everything. and that's and that's the thing right like i'm not saying i'm the expert in everything or i'm the, an, an expert in classic advertising or tv advertising or whatever i'm saying in this very specific thing I know what I'm doing. My track record proves itself. Mm. Trust me on it. And then if you, it doesn't pan out the way that you hoped it panned out, we can have a conversation. Yeah. And that's why when people understand is like, when, when people ask you questions like, what is it seven years worth? Then you shouldn't be bothering having that conversation because if they can't see the value in what you've done in the past, which I know your CV and other people might not, right? Mm. But the thing is, do your research. And this is the client, like on the client side, do your research then before bothering to get on the phone with Demi and waste her fucking time. <laughs> uh, yeah, do you know I, what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. Because make, sure. make it clear. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that um, throughout the process of getting to where you are now, throughout the past three, four months, it has been this up and down road of we all experience, especially when we're working for ourselves, the self-doubt, the Mm. am I actually the right person for this, especially when you have been in an environment where your every move is is kind of questioned, you know, and you don't always get to... And you're never going to always work with people that believe in you and you're not always going to have the ideal dreamy client, right? There's always going to be those other things. So how have you faced that? that up and down hurdle and what has really helped you in building your self-confidence and getting it to where it is now because i think chatting to you now your confidence and your vision is so strong and i've think i've watched that kind of build up throughout these past few months even i mean before that probably since the start of the year it's been a yeah it's been a cycle to get to here so how how did you get here i think it's two things in the short term it's been being bullish on, on the fact that there is no alternative. So if you say you want to be an astronaut, suddenly every other option is not good enough. It's just not. You want to be an astronaut. For me, this is all I've ever wanted to do. The thought of going back to a desk and not being able to do that is more terrifying than doing this and failing. Bottom line. I, I, I stand by that. 
because now I've got a taste for it. Do you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm like working with, you know, like clients like around the world. I'm writing about stories about, you know, how like people with albinism in Africa get hunted for their bones because like folklore says they have magical properties. Never been able to do that before this. You know, I get to write about how Perfection Fresh, you know, a brand that produces like fresh produce has adapted to COVID-19 for, for an Oz Harvest campaign. Would have never been able to do that. You know, get to interview a Paralympian and how he's made his place in the world with disability and all this. Would never be able to do that. I've got a taste for it now. And if you said to me, hey, you, now you've got to go back. I couldn't. Mm. I just couldn't. And I don't want to. I never want to do that ever again. 100%. And people might watch this and go, oh, he's 26. Like, you know, he's naive. Like, you know, he's dreaming. Dreamer, dreamer, but the thing yeah. is, like, I, I heard a really interesting podcast i listened to a comedian called brendan Schaub, and he used to be a ufc fighter now he's a comedian stuff like that and he talked about if you knew the odds for every single action that you were about to take and every single dream that you had you would be so depressed at the odds of making it happen that you just wouldn't do it and he's got a point i met people before this part of my life right and in work and stuff that said yeah and then you hit a certain age and then you realize that dreams are dreams and then you'll never be able to do them and like so you should probably just give up on them if i listened to those people we wouldn't be having this conversation you would never even talk to me Mm -hmm. because i would have just gone yeah i guess i guess these people that have said these things aren't possible are right and then i would have just gone cool i'm gonna just knuckle down and do this check in and check out and forget about the things that like gave me life and purpose and passion because at the end of the day right what you're talking about with dreams is it's not to be confused with i want to be rich or i want a yacht or i want all these things it's not about wanting things it's about how do i want to feel about myself down the road do i want to go in 30 years time and go fuck i really should have just stuck to the thing that i was doing and i don't want that for myself i don't want 30 years down the road to be like you know like when you had the opportunity to tell stories you didn't and now you wasted it and that's the biggest driver. Fear is a big is a big driver when used in the proper way. Mm. And I don't want to th- I don't want people to think that also then it's like an all or nothing thing. Like if you have a dream, then take crazy risks like you hear in movies or you hear in like, you know, like you still have to be smart. And if you have, you know, I know someone who works a cafe job that is starting a fashion label, not because they think that's a quick way to make money, but like they actually care about design. That's what I'm talking about balanced approach to achieving dreams is the only way and not taking into account odds and for me that was like in the most immediate thing that's what i've learned which is like now i've got a taste for it i don't want to go back to seeing a desk and like hanging out with people i didn't you know that that would not like my team was amazing but then also like on the flip side hanging out with people for eight nine hours a day that you really like you wish that you were home or you with your family that fear of like going back to that has been the, the most immediate driver for me in, and I think it'll be for a long time because the thought of going back to that is just nightmarish. It's spot on because speaking to you now, it is, it's such a difference. You can, you can see and you can feel that. And I'm sure there are different struggles that come with this, like they did with the corporate work, but now your energy is so different and you can see that that drive like it's just different goals you're hitting before before like mm. the comfort might have been the uh, money or the title now the comfort is in 
feeling alive, right? Having the passion, yeah. having the drive and those other things, you know, you'll get to, you know, you'll yeah. get all of that stuff. It's just yeah. a matter of time, but you can enjoy the process now, which I think is the most amazing part. And I don't, I don't want people to think and look at me and think, first of all, that like, oh, he's like making heaps of money is on. But I'm literally not like, if I'm going to be perfectly honest with the audience and with you, like I'm not. The goal is I want to make a comfortable living. I'm not interested in a set amount or, you know, it has to look like this or feel like this. Like, you're right. I am just stoked that I get to live life and do it the way that I want to do it. And you're not going to catch me on LinkedIn talking about that because I've got no interest in, in projecting that onto people. And so you can live your own life. I'm doing it my way and you will find that way yourself. I'm not going to start contributing to that conversation of like, this is the way it has to be done or this is how it has to feel like and all that kind of stuff. For me, the fact that last week when Christina had a break from medicine, that I could say, cool, I'm taking three days off. That is what it's about. Yeah. Nothing, nothing more than that. Yeah, amazing. And I think that this season, we're all, uh, all the listeners and we're all at a different stage now. You know, we've grown with season one and, you know, season one was all about finding that dream career or finding that passion. And now we're moving into season two and it's more about, oh shit, it's more than just the career, isn't it? It's about the lifestyle side of things. It's about how exactly. we want to live our lives right now. And, mm. and you can just see how right now the work you're doing, how that fits perfectly well in the lifestyle you want to 100%. live in the stage of your life you're at. And that that's awesome. And, and we were saying before how I was telling you that I think it, I think I need to go back to that working life, to that structure stuff. And, yeah. you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to accept what it looks like for you when there's no right or wrong, the way things should go. It's, it's what fits your life in that moment and how you need to adapt to the new circumstances. Right. And, and I think, and I think as well as like words like lifestyle and choice and freedom and all these things have been co-opted by like a very small but loud group of people on Instagram and LinkedIn who like some, some guy came on my feed on YouTube. It was like how to make $5 million. And he looked about like 16, <laughs> you know, and all power to you, right? Yeah. If you have done that, but odds are when I watched that video is you haven't. Yeah. You just got a conceptualized thing in your head and, and, and you just want to speak it out. And people like that frustrate me because then you're confusing everyone else to what the, the truth actually is which is like, it's not about like margaritas on a beach. You know, it's not about oh, again, high rise apartment overlooking Central Park. It's not that. Mm. And it can be if that's yeah. kind of like part of it, but you've left out the other aspect of it, you know, which is like the human elements of it. And for me, that's what I learned in those last couple of months was like, holy crap, like you can make a comfortable living doing the things that you want to do and living the life that you want but it's not going to be defined by anyone else but you. It's as simple as that. If you want to make 60K, have three kids and work three days a week, it's possible. And that is no less of a dream and a lifestyle than the guy who's coming up on my YouTube saying he made 5 million and drives a Lamborghini. You should never be made to feel bad if that's what you want. And yeah, I'm just so sick of that. Sorry, I've got very far, but like, I'm just so sick of that. Yeah. Because I think it makes people feel very terrible. For, for sure. And it's one of the things that I've been 
pushing against for so like I I felt I feel sometimes when you try and create that other content of talking about it is the lifestyle choices and all of that kind of stuff it can sound like oh you're just saying that because you're making x amount or you're just saying Mm. that because you're not there or everyone wishes they were there but it's so important Mm. when you do have a taste like you said when you do have a taste of what living a fulfilling like happy lifestyle is and knowing that that can be a reality when you do start living that you're like fuck (laughs) it is like it is all about this it is all about this and now we're looking at a generation where work-life integration is such a thing you know and Mm. and although some people do want that work a certain amount of time and then have a lifestyle outside of that work a lot of us want to integrate the work we do with the people we hang out with so Mm. working with your friends working with Mm. people that you do want to hang out with and stuff like that is something that some people do want to consider. And an important, an important caveat as well is like, if someone's listening to this and goes, I actually just want a nine to five, there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. You're allowed to pick and choose what it looks like for you and how you do it. And it doesn't matter what people are projecting out there. As long as you go home at the end of the day and you're happy with yourself, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. It really and you stop doesn't. caring about other people when you realize you stop that caring today. About, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. My next question is, I've been at a point now and we kind of spoke about it before where I feel as though when I was away, it was really easy for me to be motivated to do my work because there was something to do. There was travel time. I had to get emails done or I had to get calls done because I was Mm. going on a hike somewhere in Patagonia at the time, you know? And now since I've been back adjusting to all of this stuff, the self-motivation for me has been really difficult because for some reason I still feel as though I need to be at my desk from Mm. nine to five because that's what everyone around is doing. So how have you, how have you dealt with the self-motivation side of things or do the client, does the client work just keep you accountable? So it's it's two things. First, you set deadlines. Mm. That's just the practical side of it, right? And I think as creatives, you need deadlines. You need frameworks to work within. If not, the abundance of choice and time just overwhelms us. So deadlines is a practical thing. But then also on the flip side of that, it's some days are just, you're just tired. Some days you're just worn out. This idea of always on, hustle, grind, like, bitch, some days I just want to sleep. And that's all. Don't tell me about the hustle. Don't tell me about the grind. That is part of it. And being okay with that. And that's why having deadlines allows you those days to go, you know what? I'm going to just do two hours of work today because I know I can afford that. It's a fine balance of knowing yourself, knowing your body, knowing your mind, and then also going, cool, I'm in tune. But also remember, there are deadlines. This is still work. This is still business. And you still have people that rely on you to get your work done. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. It doesn't have to be, I'm awake for 18 hours a day. So you should be too like, dude, that's bullshit. I I'm tired after fucking being awake for three hours. Like it's, you know, like this idea that like, if you want to be an entrepreneur or a business owner, or you just want to be a really successful engineer or lawyer, like, yes, there are certain expectations you have to meet, but that doesn't mean that you forget about who you are internally and ignore all the signals that your body's giving you and your mind is giving you when you need that break, when you just need a day just to do nothing. And I'm very interested in flipping that conversation on people, you know, this always on culture. I think people are listening and they are consuming 
some of that, which I know my audience don't really buy into anymore, at least. Uh, I think it's important for people listening to know that like, I think we, when we first started out, especially we were both in that freelance thing. And 100%. I know I bought into the hustle all the time. I felt like I had to be on all the time. And I think in our first conversation, pre us actually posting the recording, that's what we spoke a lot about of that mm-hmm. hustle and grind and us saying um, things like, you know, we looked at other people and they weren't doing all of the things that, that we were and some, yeah. And, yeah. and we really bought into that. And there was a time and place for it in, in times. Mm. But I think now that I just want people to know that like the reason I feel we can say this and we can, we are so passionate about it is because we were those people. Yeah. And, and, you know, and you know, what the beauty of this is like, if you go back through all my writing, all my, you can see the evolution. The thing I'm saying now is that like, I'm also not afraid to then change maybe in five years from now, when we sit down again, mm. inevitably, for season 16 <laughs> for me to go, you know what? Like actually nine, I, I, I wanted to be in nine, to, you know, I want to be a nine to five time, yeah. go to family. Like it's just more state. Like the important thing is not being afraid to be open-minded and change your mind about things. You know what? I have to give you big props, right? I said this off, off air or whatever, but I think I want to get it on recording, which is for you to then have said, you know, you've developed this audience, a very engaged audience that have followed your journey, you know, from, from being a young hustler, like we said at the start, to traveling the world and coming back and then saying, you know what, I'm going back to a nine to five. Like, I don't think people understand the amount of balls that takes to do that. You know, people underestimate like what goes into making a decision, into making a choice. And for someone with your audience, your caliber, right? The things that you've done to actually then be open and honest and go, you know what? I think right now what I need is that structure, is that routine. Power to you. Yeah. People don't talk about that enough. You're spot on. I'm glad that you did say it on camera as well because it, it is, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing because while I was away and I was living this lifestyle, I remember saying to myself, applying for my remote work, this is the last time I'm going to use a resume. You know, yeah. this is the last time I'm going to make a resume. And, and if I had come back home, it would have been going to networking events and, and finding work or people to work with in that kind of way. But biting the bullet and saying, fuck, I need to update my resume because I need, like you said, I need the structure. I want to have this kind of stability right now. And the other stuff, it's not going to stop. It's just going to continue on the sidelines. And exactly. That's and the way it is for right now. And that's what we're talking about is not buying into one mindset, not buying into one process. It's going, it adapts, it changes. You're allowed to change your mind at any given point. And people don't hear that enough. And I think that's a massive detriment. So yeah, I can't commend you enough. I think when you shared that with me, I was really proud because it, yeah, takes, takes guts to make a choice like that. Now we are getting towards the end and I, I ask the same three questions to every, to every person I interview and you're the first person I, that has had, been on for a second interview. And I think this is just going to be a theme. You're just going to be on Must the be. <laughs> podcast. But what I wanted to do is, and I'm sure you can't remember the answer that you had before, but I want you to answer the questions again. And then after sure. you answer them, I'm going to let you know what your old cool. answers yeah, yeah, are yeah. as well, just so that we can yeah. reflect on where you were and where right. you are now. Cool. So the first question is, what was the first step you took to get to where you are right now? <laughs> oh, my, uh, I don't remember my answers. You know what? The first step that I took to get 
to get to where I am right now is when I did work for free, when I wrote for Huffington Post or ran a digital project for the United Nations. Like I understood very early on and I was very lucky to have understood that early on that money isn't the ultimate leverage when you're trying to build something for yourself or when you're trying to reach a goal, you know? I understood that working with the right people, the right brands, the right organizations was going to be the leverage. It was going to open doors for me. And you know what? The proof is in the pudding, right? Like that first week where I had, where I had just lost two jobs, essentially, I got like five or six clients or people reach out. And that's not like, you know, it was seven years of like carefully, not even carefully cultivating, but like just creating content because I wanted to, because I felt like, that was my gift skill, whatever you want to call it. And I owed that a lot of credit, you know, that, that foresight, that long play, even if I didn't know it was happening in the moment, I reflect on that now and I go, yeah, the instinct was right there. And I owe a lot of it to just like writing open and honestly and consistently. Yeah, I was so surprised when people reached out. I've been following your content for months or I've been following your content for a couple of years. Like people follow my content for months. Like what are you <laughs> talking about? Like I don't even know if that is that interesting, but like I just did it because I wasn't doing it for anyone else apart from myself, apart from like it has to happen. You know, it was a need. It was a creative need I needed to fulfill. And if I didn't do it, I would have just suffered. And, and yeah, without that, I wouldn't be here. Oh, it's totally different to your last one. Your what last, was it? Your last Sick. answer was allowing yourself to take a break and to step away ah. from things. So it's yeah, funny now it that yeah. you're like, it's a, it's a different that when you were in this structured lifestyle that you didn't have the energy to do some things and you had to step away from some areas. And mm. now that you're in this Interesting. new mindset, you're doing so much more, right? Hmm. That's really interesting. Right. Um, but it does make sense when I hear that back. It's like, yeah, I was in a very structured, almost like corporate, even though it wasn't that corporate environment, yeah. you had to tell you that, that line a lot of the time. So that's a very interesting shift, but no, yeah, now it's, yeah, now I'm doing a, a lot more. Like I think the content, like the personal content creation has taken a hit in all honesty, because I don't like one I'm doing a lot more my time is spent doing things i want to do mm. and i also feel like i have less to say while i'm doing but no that's a very interesting contrast and dichotomy so yeah this is yeah. fun i can't wait to hear what <laughs> it's good eh? so mm. the next question is what is your biggest millennial crisis right now since i left i don't feel in crisis i don't feel i, I don't i actually don't if i'm being really on i i I'm in a very good place. I love that. And I don't have, a cr- like, I have nothing to complain about. I love that. And most of us should be in that position, whether you have work or money. Like, there's a lot of good. And that's what COVID has taught me is like the things that I thought were like, you know, overbearing or annoying. Or so, when that was all stripped away, it was like, God, there's a lot to be grateful for. And, I have no millennial crisis. And I'm sure the one that I said the other day when last time is going to fucking annoy me. I'm sure it's going to annoy me. <laughs> now nah, you're going to love it. It's, Hit me. Um, it was working in an office and not having creative freedom. And that's why you don't have one now. Because that was your biggest, that was your biggest struggle. That was your biggest That issue. is amazing. 
and it's so funny how like a, a millennial crisis isn't supposed to be something something huge or tragic you know it's supposed to be something small but that small thing clearly affected yeah. a lot of different things and now look at you there you go gosh that. that's awesome i i was i thought it was gonna be something really petty like <laughs> no 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 it was good yeah. it was good um, Sweet. and the last question is what is one thing you are still curious about or want to explore i'm interested i'm getting interested in design um just because like with storytelling and and creative work i think a lot of it's all intertwined right you have your your the, the writing the written element of creative you have the visual element of the creative you have you know videography cinema like you have a lot of different venues and and avenues to tell a story i'm actually very interested in design and and how and what role it plays yeah i i'd love to learn more about it and make time for it which is, you know, always the thing, you know, time and balance. And, but even in the projects that I'm working on, I'm working with designers and videographers and stuff like that. And just in conversation with them, I learn a lot about, you know, about that process. So I oh. don't know if that was the same though. <laughs> no, last time we spoke about your, um, your rock climbing and stand up. Oh yeah, yeah, that's changed. I stopped rock climbing because I think, in, yeah, I got got too many injuries just from like stretching my body in weird ways, and and stand up was just like I was going through a phase. Um, <laughs> you need maybe a that phase outlet, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what it seemed like. All of, yeah, yeah. All of it ends up stemming to you needing a creative outlet, and yeah, I can't believe being I'm being sucked out of you. I wanted to go and get up on a stage and tell jokes yeah. we're still doing it you know that it might be a season yeah, three yeah. thing but yeah uh, cool but it's, it's still, definitely it's not still happening, happening now <laughs> cool that was fun i loved that there was such a difference between where you were before and where you are now and i think yeah. that we we've kind of spoken about a challenge that you want to set for everyone uh this episode so sure. what what would you like everyone to to do so I think what was really good, and that was a very intelligent segment from you to draw the two, you know, and, and things, and it shows how much things can change in a year. And I guess for me, it, it'd be really good if people just took a moment in a day, sit down with themselves and have a very real conversation about what they want their life to look like, you know, and the evolution of your own podcast from talking about the career to now realizing in season two that it's not just the career, it's everything that lives in harmony with it. And for people to sit down and have a very real conversation with themselves about what they want that to look like. And I know I went hard in the paint on like people who want a yacht and stuff, but if that's what you really want, write it down, work towards that. Mm. But if it was something that you've been hiding because you think that as an entrepreneur, you need to aim for that yacht or that apartment in the sky, but really you, you really would just want to start your own little bakery, make 80K a year and have a family now's the best time to have that conversation. Now's the best time to set the plans in place for it. Now's the best time to work towards it. And I think that would be good. So yeah, and I hope they'll send it to you because I'll be interested to see if I'm right or wrong. Because if everyone goes, I want a million dollars, then yeah, you know, fair enough. That's what you want. But I think if you have a real conversation, you can really outline what it is, you know, that, that you're really working towards. And, 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 and for the purposes of honesty, like if, you know, for me, what that looks like right now is I want the content studio to become sustainable, right? I want it to work with brands I care about, do work that I care about that makes impact in the world. And it doesn't have to be six figures. Yeah. It just doesn't. 
you know love that and, and i love that you kicked off the challenge i think that that's really important yeah you have cool. to all right, so that's what we'll get you guys to do. Write it down somewhere, write down in a sentence or two, really think about it, what you want in, it doesn't have to be for your whole life, it can be for the next six months or year, what you want that sure. to look like right now, to share it, whether you share it publicly. I hear that if you put things out there, they're more likely to happen. I don't know, I've been tweeting some weird shit these days. <laughs> <laughs> I tweeted today, when I tweet, I was like, um, I hear if you tweet things, they come true. I was like, oh, 500K a year wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> And then we say, what did you say before? I hope people don't write, I want a million dollars. And there I went. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, no. And I, I think it'd be nice if they emailed it to you or something. Yeah, and yeah but let me know, let um, Ryan know, send us, send us something about it and, and we'll hold you accountable to it. We'll, we'll end up sending cool. you something in a few months. We want to know what the process is. I think that's one of the things that we both love is watching other people take action and and we resonate with that i mean that's what oh, i 100 percent, 100 percent will i did mm. this with someone that reached out on linkedin and they were like how to become a writer and i said there's a there's a, there's a bunch of ways and, and I, we talked about it we had a coffee for an hour and i said in three months i'm going to message you on linkedin and see how you've done and i actually did it so i don't want people to think this is a piss take like i'll be on you yeah so i'm that's, not joking and yeah and and same as me like i think we're we're bad like that in terms of like if someone no, tells think... us something we're, we're on it to be like well <laughs> remember <laughs> yeah, oh, that's awesome that's good all right thank you so much ryan for um, Pleasure, mate. for coming on again and uh is there what's what's happening new where can people find you we'll link all of mm. your stuff in the show notes but is there one specific thing that you want people to check out right now well i'm on linkedin ryan cheng you can just find me or oh, there's a bunch of agents named that so that's probably difficult so you might <laughs> want to find me on instagram which is at chink in the armor which is the name of the studio which is also the name of the website chink in the armor.com if you're looking for interesting conversations like this, that, you know, Demi's also been on my podcast, which I haven't released yet. It's also called the Chink in the Armour podcast. Look at that smart branding. Same yeah, name everything. That. On that podcast, I just talk to people that I've, I've worked with or, or have been friends with a long time in the creative space. So I talk to an Emmy Award nominated cinematographer. I talk to an independent Nigerian photojournalist, creative based, but people that have really inspired me to be better. And if you're interested, check it out. And if you just want to chat, always happy just hit me up in the DMs. And um, if I said anything that upset you, let me know because that means I am saying something right. Amazing. I love that. Well, thanks again, Ryan. And um, I can't wait to have you on season three and see how your answers have changed and, and where you've grown then. Definitely will change in season three for sure. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks so much. Thanks, mate. Damn, you've made it to the end of the podcast. You are breaking millennial barriers. Who says that we have short attention spans? And since you have made it this far, you may as well do me the massive favor and subscribe to the podcast or give it a rating if you haven't already. This is the way that I am able to get more amazing guests onto the podcast. So I would really appreciate that. I always love chatting with you personally, so if you do want to discuss this episode further or any of the topics in the past, message me on Instagram or send me an email. But with that being said, that is all for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll see you next week with another Ripper episode. Bye.